starting? Yeah, yes, it's your episode. Okay. Well, hi, Crystal. Hi, Kat. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm tired, but that is my natural <laughs> that state. Is, that is your nat. That's like your. I was going to say your natural resting state, but then resting kind of sounds ironic, because it is ironic. <laughs> Anyways, hello. My name is Kat. And I am Crystal. And today, do I, do, I forget. What, we, do we welcome do? people oh. into our home. <laughs> I'm more of a, hi, I'm Kat. This is me. And then, all right. Well, welcome to Alternative Interests, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we are bringing you another... I, I'm sorry to say, although some people may like this, it's gonna. This is gonna be a multi-part case. I try to contain myself, but I just it's I hard. can't with some of it. It's hard, especially when you get into it. And they like you don't you hear like a snippet and you're like, oh, that sounds interesting, and then you go into it and there's so much more. Exactly, and I don't think uh, people realize just how much we put into researching these cases and. Crystal and I will end up with, we, when we do our separate cases, like, I don't know, pages and pages of notes. And then, and so you have to take that into account when we're telling you about the story. But, uh, but I'm, I apologize. I will try to do a shorter case next time. This one's not so short, but it's very good. And actually, my 13-year-old son <laughs> recommended this case to me. So this is a child-friendly story. <laughs> no, it is not a child-friendly. Not child kid-friendly, friend. okay. Not kid-friendly. But uh, he heard it on TikTok, which I didn't know because I am not on TikTok, but I didn't know that there are like some short TikToks where they talk about true crime stories. Honestly, Odd. honestly, I mean, there's a couple, so many people are using TikTok for things these days that I feel like I should get with the times and make us a TikTok, but then I don't, Ex I don't even know what I would put on it. So, Well, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. <laughs> it would just be you and I on there and we'd be going, uh. hey, uh. <laughs> so did you hear about that murder? Like, yeah, it's that, like, like it'd be great. How, I mean, we could do like mini promos for our own episodes, but then y'all have to see my face and I'm really not that yeah. cute. So... <laughs> Well, and then there would go my anonymity, yeah. right? <laughs> Although we could always use my son and we don't look alike, so no one would even know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he would Anyways, love that. He actually would oh, love man, it. Oh, man, we should have him do promos for on TikTok for us. Well, you know, he even asked, he's like, could I just, I, can I do the case? And I'm like, no, you can't do the case. You are a 13-year-old boy. I will not have you doing true crime podcasts, but maybe it's in his future. So we don't know. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. But, um, but yes, my son brought this case to my attention. And after I looked into it and researched it, um, I thought it was a pretty good case. Now, I do want to say that, um, and I think Crystal would agree, uh, when you read a lot of true crime and you read a lot of cases, you kind of become desensitized to a lot of things that happen. Yeah. And I, I feel like I am that way already, but I've loved true crime forever. So I don't know if it's me being desensitized or I just, this kind of stuff because it's just on paper doesn't bother me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like I'm not I do, seeing you it. Know, everybody has like a thing that bugs uh -huh. them, especially mm -hmm. in true crime. A lot of people can't handle um, 
the mistreatment of children is a really big yes. one and mistreatment uh-huh. of animals is another e- really big one. Uh-huh. To the point that some people absolutely can't even listen to it. I've yeah. I've never particularly had that issue. The only thing that kind of like makes my spine cringe and my butthole suck up into my stomach <laughs> is uh, broken bones. Like broken bones really freak me. See, I don't like them. That doesn't do anything for me. I'm fine with hearing about broken bones or even looking at broken bones. Ugh. Sometimes it is uh, the murder of children that get to me, but young children. And the only case, and I think you and I have talked about this before, that I could not handle like listening to all the evidence, like I read all of the records, was the Chris Watts case. Oh, yeah. And that's a case I have even said I don't think I'll ever want to cover just because it's been covered so much. And uh, just what he did to those little girls, I can't. So with that said, this is um, a case that involves the murder of a child. So today I'm bringing you the case of Anna Creagel. And I would like to begin by saying um, this case takes place in Ireland. And there's a lot of names in here that I tried to look up beforehand so that I would say the correct uh, pronunciation. So if I don't, I apologize in advance um, if I'm not saying certain names or uh, places correctly. So I apologize. So on February 18th, 2004, in Siberia, Russia, a beautiful baby girl named Anastasia was born, and she was placed into a Russian orphanage shortly after birth. Two and a half years later, she was adopted by Geraldine and Patrice Creagel, and they lived in Ireland. Geraldine was a senior manager at a city transport company, and Patrice Uh, Her husband, he was actually originally born in France, and then he became a French professor at the Dublin Institute of Technology. Okay. Um, So so that's where he... I mean, this starts... This sounds like a wholesome story to be... I mean, she's adopted. I love adoption stories because I think they're adorable. And you know how sometimes in these cases or in the, the stories that we cover or that we run into... Some adoptions really don't end well for the child. In this case, this couple, I mean, from everything that I read about them and everything that their family had said, they were a very, very loving couple. And adopting Anastasia was a dream come true for them. Uh, They wanted. Yeah, they wanted a child so bad. And and prior to adopting Anastasia, they were described as just like a footloose and and, uh, fancy-free couple. But they really wanted to share the love that they had for each other and the love that they had for life with another child. So they were trying to find a way that they could adopt so they could just extend that love they had for each other and share it with somebody else. And even though they were a private couple, um, the way they announced the adoption to the family was actually super cute. They uh, got a Russian Russian 
Russian nesting doll. And they put a picture of Anna, the baby picture that they got from the adoption agency. They put it inside there. And so they had their family, like their extended family, open the um, the nesting doll. Oh, and then that is in cute. the Yes, in the smallest uh, in the smallest doll, they placed a picture of Anna, and that was their announcement that they were adopting the little girl and bringing her home um, to Leakslip, Ireland, is where they lived. And they were just super excited to start their new life as a family of three. That's really I just, cute. Yeah, it, it was really cute. And they this couple gets even better. So... Uh, it was so important to Geraldine and Patrice that uh, Anna stay close to her ties in Russia and with her Russian culture. So they chose to keep the adoption open so that she could have communication, like the records were still open at the adoption agency. Um, they also chose to uh, keep her Russian name. So she was born when she was born, she was given the name Anastasia. And so they chose to keep that name, but they ended up referring to her as Anna. They just shortened it. So the, all the family, all the friends just knew her as Anna. And later, you'll hear more about how Geraldine and Patrice just thought it was so important that she just know about her culture, her Russian culture, that she still later on kept in touch. She was able to find and um, keep in touch with her siblings, her younger siblings that uh, eventually happened after she was born. Oh, or that that's were born. really cool. Yeah. I really like that they're so open that like... Oh, Yeah they want her to be able to connect with her family and the culture that she came from. Is there a reason that they had to go to Russia to adopt someone? It does. It doesn't say, I think, um, I don't know if that was a preference they had from the beginning. I'm not sure. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, that's where, that's where they were able to adopt. They flew there. They brought her back. It was this whole big thing. They were so excited. Like I read tons of things just about how everyone was talking about how excited this couple was to finally have a child. And they loved her so, so much. A couple years after she was adopted, they decided discovered that she had a tumor um, in her right ear. Um, it wasn't a huge deal. It was something they were able to take care of and they operated. She had like a five and a half hour surgery that took care of that. But unfortunately it did leave Anna um, nearly deaf on her, uh, on her right side. And she had some sight issues too. So while they were able to remove the tumor, I think there was um, some setbacks there as far as uh, hearing and um, eyesight. So because she couldn't hear very well, that was kind of compounded with the fact that she was adopted from Russia at the age of two. So she was born, um, she grew up speaking Russian till about the age of two. And then when she moved to Ireland, um, there were huge gaps in her English language skills, even though, you know, that age is like the prime window to learn another language and to be really good at it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think coupled with her hearing loss and the fact that she spoke Russian and only heard Russian for two years, 
and learning a new language. Um, she was very slow. She had a lot of deficits academically okay. and verbally. Um, so this also was compounded with some memory issues that she also had. Uh, her ability to recall and use correct uh, words and information was a lot slower than her peers. And that was something that she never caught up with. Oh, that's so, hard. Uh, yeah, it is hard. And so she was very low in that respect. Um, regardless, though, Anna's parents describe her as just a happy child with a big personality. She was beautiful. She was kind. She was loving. They also, a lot, of, they say this over and over, she was loud, too. <laughs> like, she just wanted to be heard, right? She loved to dance and I completely sing. get that. Eggs, I get that, with, too. <laughs> with the hearing loss, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't always gauge, like, even think about it, like, if you have headphones on, you end up talking louder than you think exactly. you are. Exactly. I know. So the fact that she's hard, like she's got half her hearing gone, she uh -huh. can't gauge her. Oh, she can't gauge her personal volume. Yeah. But then that also leads to kind of this feeling that no one's going to listen to you. So you have to exactly. be louder for people to realize that, like, yeah. oh, this person has something to say. Yeah, and I think just in what I read, she was just generally. I think she wanted to bring happiness to other people. She was one of those, you know, kids. That's sweet. At d yeah, dancing was her favorite. Uh, her mom said that she would uh, watch YouTube all the time and uh, learn dance moves. And then she would practice for hours in front of the mirror and just like dance her little heart out. Um, her parents, I want to say they gave her a very loving home and a very good life. She was their only child and they literally poured all of their love and attention um, and were very, very involved in her life. Now, Anna always struggled with uh, making friends and this was really heartbreaking um, because her mother often mentions how Anna just wanted friends and to have friendships so oh. bad. I mean, uh, I get it because I've said this before and no one's yelled at me for it yet. And uh -huh. I feel like someone is going to eventually. But like uh -huh. kids can be shitty. Oh, kids are very shitty. So when you've got a kid who, I mean, she's kind of blind and deaf on one side and she's loud, like she's different honestly mm -hmm. and she her English isn't that good she takes a little yeah. bit to understand and speak like mm -hmm. it's it's yeah. all of these it's things not... that make her kind of an outcast which is really sad because she sounds like such a a bright happy it, little girl it is really sad and you know for as accepting as some kids can be some kids just hone in on that one difference mm -hmm. and cannot cannot let it go. And Anna craved friendships with others. That's all she wanted. And it wasn't easy for her. And kids were cruel to her from the get-go. Oh. And that's one of the things about this case that really breaks my heart. Now, um, it becomes a bigger issue when she's out of elementary or primary, as it's known over there in the UK and Ireland. The bullying was happening even before she started secondary, so like the middle school level. Um, and she was even subjected to bullying, like they were starting to bully her online too, even before she got to secondary. Oh, she's so and, young for that. Yeah, and most of it started 
uh, just was about the fact that she was adopted. Yeah. She knew she was adopted. Everybody else knew she was adopted. So that's one thing they hone in mm-hmm. on and then they go after her for, right? The, like, it's like the sharks that smell yeah. blood. Anna was really into social media. She had multiple accounts on social media, like Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, House Party. Um, She was on YouTube all the time. Um, Also, another thing about Anna, as if she needed to stick out even more, um, she was very tall for her age. She was 5'8 by the time she was 13. Oh, wow. She's taller than me. Yes. (laughs) And for a girl at that age, that is very rare. Uh, They talked about a bone condition she had where her bones grew faster than her muscles. I And I guess it usually happens to kids around this age. I couldn't really find the exact name for it because I think it's a common condition that happens. It's probably just a growth um, thing that like, and that's how you end up with these... um, the girls that are like, oh, even boys too that are like long and lanky, and then a couple years exactly. later, like everything catches up and they fill they out. They even a out, yeah, they even out. She looked a lot older than she was as well. So you know, we I think we talked about this before. I think this was in one of the cases we covered. Sean Stevenson, uh, yeah, where you know when you look older much older than people you are people you expect yeah. yeah they treat you differently and then when you don't when you don't act as old as you look then that becomes a problem for everybody yeah. right well i mean and so it becomes a problem as far as they're concerned it's not a problem mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just that their perception it's perception is, yeah, which yeah. Sucks. but again i mean poor anna to add to everything else right so this just added to the bullying and her height um, added to it and um, some of the the bullying she was experiencing and the harassment was was sexual in nature Ugh, so I was kind of afraid uh, of that, but. yeah boys were making comments and saying things and and you know Anna is also a little naive and a little low and it, that's it's just not a good mix Um, YouTube was her favorite though. And even though she was experiencing all this bullying, um, she also wasn't afraid to put herself out there. And I think, uh, I think she wasn't afraid of doing this because she craved friendships so bad that I think she felt eventually someone had to, you know, was going to like her and wanted to be her friend. Right. Yeah, And when you're looking for a social connection of some sort, the like, all the social media she had and then adding YouTube on top of that, the interaction you get online kind of helps with, you know, I want friends, these people, especially when you're that age, everyone Mm -hmm. interacting online with you is your friend. Exactly. Exactly. So she made videos, um, about makeup, dancing. She was just being the fun, typical teenage girl. She had about a hundred subscribers, which, you know, isn't that bad. And for a a teenager. And for the most part, comments were nice. Um, But as always, you know, when you put yourself out there, you're opening yourself up to to ridicule, right? And um, I am a firm believer that people who bully, they feel um, shitty themselves and they just want to make other people feel shitty too. And um, that's what happened with Anna. She would get some comments telling her to go die and uh, I think even one comment I read said uh, go execute yourself 
um, and other threats. Or one boy said, I, I'm going to execute you. I don't know. It was sad comments that I read that were happening on that but page. Like, these are kids. I mean, I'm not making excuses for them. You know, they don't uh-huh. mean it. They're just trying mm-hmm. to be be mean, which is the well. They're it's, they're trolling. It's they're being it, it's you know, and a lot of these kids, I think today they are you know they have the shield of the keyboard, right? They can say and do these things online, and they stuff they would never say. I think to a person's face. Oh yeah, no. If given the opportunity, so they're just you know these little jerk keyboard warriors sometimes. So Anna's parents were on top of things. They were very close with Anna and she told them everything. So they knew about all the bullying that was happening online. And she would take, and they would take screenshots of the messages that Anna would get. And uh, they would take them to the teachers at school, you know, in hopes that maybe the teachers could help or do something. Although I'm not really sure what the teachers could do since this was was happening happening online, all online. But mm-hmm. I, I understand yeah. what the parents were trying to do. Yeah. And they were just trying to help because they loved her and they cared about her. And honestly, like, but noth- what what else is there to do at that point? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, nothing improved. The bullying continued. It was relentless. Um, but then Anna even started making fake online accounts that she would use to join in on the bullying herself. And I was I was thinking about this and I was wondering, why would someone do that? And the only thing I could think of was maybe because nobody was helping her and nobody was stopping it. I don't know if she was doing this uh, because maybe it made things seem worse so that maybe someone would take it more seriously like the teachers. I know her parents were taking it more seriously, but may, but maybe, you know, calling more attention to it to show people how bad it was with, which without making people think she was telling on people. Were her comments that she made worse than the other ones? They were bad. They, I don't know if they were worse, but they were bad. She would basically bully herself too, or join in on what was being said about her. Cause my first impression, I mean, if it, if it wasn't overwhelmingly worse, I almost feel like it's, it's her trying to take control of it that, you know, if I, if I embrace this and I say it about myself, I know this is, this sounds weird and it sounds Uh like even as I'm saying it, I don't know if it even makes sense, but it's like, if I, if I say this, I, they don't, the words don't have power over me. So more like you're controlling the narrative than other people are controlling it. Yeah. I could see that. I know. I know it's, even as I'm saying, like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm sure it's going to be misinterpreted by listeners. And I hope that it isn't uh-huh. because I'm not trying to say to, like, trash talk yourself to make bullies feel better. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I, ca- I can see for someone that young that in order to take the power away, like, if you if you say well, it about it, yourself, maybe it won't It's hurt. almost like self-deprecating humor, right? So except it's not humor. 
No, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's along those same lines. Like you're making fun of yourself so people don't so people don't point it out first. I maybe you know? I'd be interested in knowing like what the psychology behind it cuz I'm sure there's something that explains it. Um I used to break up with people first so they couldn't break up with me, but then that just led to a lot of short relationships. <laughs> I'm going to show you. You like me? Uh Uh-uh. We are through. (laughs) Can't have anyone in a relationship that likes me. (laughs) No. That would be awful. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That was my entire 20s, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So mom, Geraldine, she found out about the fake accounts, and she made Anna give her all the passwords to all the accounts so that she could better better monitor the situation mm-hmm. um, and she just wanted to know what people were saying she tried to talk to Anna about you know the the bullying herself and she was on top of it so um, it's no surprise that because of everything that was happening to Anna and everything she had to endure um, there was a few disturbing incidents that I feel we're basically Anna just showing the true pain she felt on the inside outwardly. Because remember, even through all of this, her mom said she was still a happy girl. Yes, she was being bullied, but she still did the videos, right? She still uh, laughed and had fun. It wasn't making her extremely depressed outwardly, at least. So obviously she was experiencing some pain on the inside and it was coming out in different ways. So she did report to one teacher that she trusted that she did feel suicidal and that was reported back to Anna's parents. Um, She was getting into fights at school sometimes and then she also was involved in in self-harm with uh, cutting um, herself. Another incident um, that actually resulted in Anna's suspension from school was she had painted um, her eye to make it look like she had a black eye and then blamed it on a fight that she had with somebody else. Uh, Again, this I feel is kind of like the same thing with her self-bullying or her writing were you know comments about herself I think, I think she was trying to draw attention to everything that was happening without it being like she like I, 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 I can, don't know no, I kind of get what you were saying before now and this with her deliberately making her injuries look worse than they were yeah she's yeah she's trying to find some way for someone to pay attention I think so. So I don't, I don't, I'm not completely convinced that the bullying herself online was the same. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a, that's a different issue. Uh But the makeup for a black eye, that is, that is very clearly like, hey, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. One Halloween, uh, Anna volunteered at a disco Halloween event for younger kids. And on the way home, she was followed home by uh, some male peers from school. um, And she was harassed. Like they were basically following her home, taunting her. Um, One of them asked her to have sex with them and then laughed and then slapped her on the butt. Mm -hmm. Uh, When she got home, Anna's mom said she was like completely just devastated and because 
I mean, think about it. It was like a 15 minute walk home. And for 15 minutes, she endured just like these jerk teen boys, just saying things to her, touching her, you know, laughing at her. And I mean, that's when I think about that. And I think about Anna and just walking home, of course, it just bothers me. That really bothers me. Um, It, Anna said that it, or Anna's mom said that it took her a long time to calm down after she got home. She was just devastated, humiliated. And I think for the most part with everything that I read, um, I think Anna was just, you know, she already was different. Um, and I think she was just misunderstood by, you know, the kids around her. She was, she was tall. She does have a unique look to her. And she's, she's beautiful. Like there's pictures of her all over and she is a cute girl, right? She's very, she has a unique look. It's like a very expressive, unique look. And, um, I think she just got used to all the bullying and torment. And while she rarely fought back directly against it, and it looks like she only added to it herself, I think in her mind, she just accepted the way she felt and accepted that she was, you know, a loner. Do you know what I'm saying? As yeah, sad as yeah, that I sounds. Honestly, I mean, everything about her is making kids taunt her. She doesn't have any friends and she's 14. I mean, yeah. her entire life, even before she was in her teens, a lot of kids that are bullied when they're, they get to like middle school and junior high, at least they had friends when they were younger. It sounds like she never yes. had a friend. All she had was her parents. She had her parents and then the immediate family, like her cousins. I know they were all close, and her, and but they were all younger cousins. So at least she had them when they would come over. Uh, Anna's family and her extended family were very close. So they did do a lot of, and you'll hear in a little bit, you know, just the extent of, you know, the stuff that they did together. But it's almost like I feel Anna was kind of resolved to this life of, well, people just don't get me and almost, um, disappointed in people. So her dad even stated in one interview that, that stated that very fact that I just said that she was just disappointed in people, but never hated anybody, like would still give people a chance. That's so So, like, isn't that sad? It breaks my heart. All the shit she goes through, she's still, yeah. I mean, she's also still young. She's too young to be jaded, but yes, it's yeah. just sad that she's, she wants to be accepted, but exactly. Uh. And it's, she keeps that window open. Like even with all the torment and bullying, she's still doing these videos and, you know, makeup tutorials because she wants to keep that small window open and hopes that, you know. She'll find her people, you know, mm-hmm. that that accept her. And, and while she did have a small group of like one or two girls that were her friend, um, it wasn't really anybody that she would hang out with often or do things with. Um, her mom mentioned that it just really pained her all the time to see Anna walking home alone with her headphones in and her head down and just how that was a super 
big contrast to seeing groups of girls behind her, like huddled together, walking and talking and laughing with each other, like, you know, groups of friends do. And then you see Anna and she's just head down, headphones in, walking home by herself. And that image also breaks my heart as well. Um, so like I told you before with the extended family, she was close with her cousins and she would spend the most time with them. When her cousins would come over, uh, Anna would take um, them up to her bedroom and they would dance and she would try to teach them moves and she was just like that cool older cousin to them. And I think it was in those times where Anna was with them that she felt that that made Anna feel good, or that's what I want to think, you know, that, that you would hope, those yeah. were, those were happy times for her. Right. So obviously Anna's parents were v extremely concerned with everything going on and like good parents, they were often very protective of her and they were always trying to find ways in which they could help Anna and help protect her. Um, they did get her into counseling. And so she was seeing a therapist regularly by the time she was 13 That's years good. old. So yeah, by the time she was 13, I mean, every week... It's good that she's getting the support she needs. It is yeah. sad that uh -huh. at 13 years old, she needs it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now um, I'm going to tell you about May 13th. Um, and the reason I'm telling you about this day, nothing bad happens on this day, but the events of this day just kind of give you a better uh, snapshot into her family and her home life. And I think that's important to know only because I, um, in reading everything, I just feel like, you know, this girl was given such a great life and home and everything kids feel like if they had their life would be so much better, you know? And, and then it's not always like that. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. or does that not make no, sense? No, no, I get that. I, yeah, okay. So this was a Sunday, May 13th, 2018. Um, Anna's mom uh, wanted to sit down with Anna at some point because she really wanted to help Anna study for her exams. That's something that she often did with Anna was help her a lot with her schoolwork. And Anna's mom worked long hours every day. Like I said, she was the manager at um, a transport company. Uh, there and so she worked long hours. At this point in Anna's life, Anna's dad was uh, retired now from his uh, being a French professor. Mm -hmm. So uh, he didn't work, but Anna's mom did. And even though she worked a ton, she always would help Anna with schoolwork and make just make time for her daughter. So uh, Anna's mom's like, "Let's sit down. I know you have exams next week. Uh, let's get this done." But Anna's like, "You know what?" Let's Let's put it off because I know you're really tired and the family was going to come over that night and she knew her mom was tired. So she's like, can we just put it off till tomorrow? And so, um, so Geraldine was like, sure. And they ended up watching movies and eating popcorn together because that was one of the things they loved to do together was to pop some popcorn and sit down together and watch a movie. So they ended up doing that. And, um, then later that night, family members came over and his mom ordered pizza. Apparently Anna does 
doesn't like pizza, and this is mentioned several times Blasphemy. in interviews. Okay. Yeah, I know. Anna. Uh, so, <laughs> so Anna just went to a nearby Chinese takeout, and she got herself. Uh, it was called a fry bag. I don't even know what's in there, but uh, while the family ate pizza, she had her own. Anna was like knew what she wanted, and so she had her own Chinese food, uh, and she was eating that when everybody was having pizza. Um, so she played with her cousins. She just enjoyed some family time that night. And now we're at our next morning. Um, and this is now May 14th, 2018. Right? Yep. Okay. So May 14th, 2018. Uh, Anna, she wakes up in the morning. Uh, she reminded her mom that she needed to, she needed a note to leave school at two 30 because that was when her weekly counseling appointment was. Um, so Anna's mom said, thanks, wrote her a note, kissed her daughter goodbye. And she left for work just like she did every single morning. Um, Anna gets ready for school. The plan was that she was going to um, go to school, eat lunch, and then she was going to walk to her counseling appointment, which I think was pretty close to the school. But what ended up happening is Anna left school at the time the note said, and she went home to eat lunch before she went to the counseling. Oh, okay. So, uh, so she just changed the plan a little bit. It's, it's nothing big. So she went to her appointment. She came home. Everything was fine. She grabbed a snack as usual. She went to her room. Um, around 4.02, her mom tries calling her. And this was normal because she would often talk to her mom regularly throughout the day. Anna had a cell phone. And so throughout the day, she was used to getting texts from mom and talking to mom and just, uh, you know, getting updates. Mom was, and Anna would reciprocate that. She was a huge communicator. That's something her parents said. Like Anna would always respond to texts and she would always tell you what she was doing and where she was going. Um, Geraldine was actually in a meeting when Anna, uh, called, tried calling. And so she wasn't able to answer the call. So she texted Anna and she said that she would call her when she was done with the meeting. So uh, Anna's dad, Patrice, was in the backyard sitting in the sun. Apparently, this is something he loved to do. He loved his backyard. It was a nice sunny day. Um, So he was just sitting in the backyard, kind of sunning himself, reading the paper. Um, Then he says around 4.55 p.m., the doorbell rang, which was rare, and he went and got up and answered it. And it was a boy, Anna's age, asking for her. I don't like him. (laughs) I don't like him either. I don't. I don't um, even. Just the fact that <laughs> is he one of the you would boys have opened w- the door. You would have opened the door, said no, and just yes. closed the door. <laughs> even just somebody like coming to my house and ringing the doorbell, I'd be like, "Oi, fuck off!" Asking, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> um, so when he told Anna who was at the door, he said she looked really confused. Understandably. Yeah, but she came down to talk to him anyways. And Anna's dad says that he, you know, kind of stands back a little bit and he's watching them and she's standing at the doorway and the kid is still outside, but they're kind of whispering to each other. And he said he didn't really think anything of it really because he figures that's what a lot of teenagers do is, I guess, stand in the doorway and whisper to each other Uh, i have a feeling that he's not around a lot of teenagers 
So a few minutes later, Anna runs upstairs and she grabs her black hoodie that her mother got her um, as a gift. And it has like uh, white writing along the sides of the sleeves. Mm -hmm. And she grabs the hoodie and runs back downstairs and she gives her dad a big smile, says goodbye. And her dad says, Anna, remember you have to, you know, study for your, your night. You have to study tonight for those exams. Um, and Anna said, I'm going to. And then she left. Now it is well, right Anna, here. Where are you when going? I, yeah, exactly. And I feel like this is a dad thing in a way, or a man, I don't know, like to not ask details. Oh, not my dad. Oh, yeah, it's, no. that's what I'm saying. My dad wanted everything. Mm-hmm. But no, like, think of it from his point of view. He's probably just so overwhelmingly excited that he's like, somebody is finally paying attention to her. She's finally being accepted. A boy, no less. Yeah. And he he does say that. He said he he said he didn't feel concerned at any point because his daughter looked really happy oh. when she left. Okay. Which just breaks my heart. And he does say the second after Anna left, he remembers he didn't ask her where she was going. Of course. So he runs to the door and he opens it and she's already far enough away that he doesn't call for her. But he does recall seeing her walking towards St. Catherine's Park, which is a... Uh, large park in the where they are in Leakslip, Ireland and um and she's following the boy and he says it's like ingrained in his mind. He can see her walking towards St. Catherine's Park. Oh, like that's and the image that's burned that's, in his yeah, mind. Yeah, that's the image. Okay, but yeah. also she has a cell phone, so why didn't he just like really quick call her and be like, hey, just so I know, where are you going? Like, where are you going? Good question. And don't worry, Geraldine takes care of okay. that right when she gets okay. home. So, and then he also noted that the boy was walking a few steps in front of Anna and they were not talking to each other. So it's like Anna is just following this kid and they are walking towards St. Catherine's Park. Odd. Yeah. So at 510, um, Geraldine was on the train home and so she was finally able to, you know, give her daughter um, a call back, but that call went unanswered, which was odd. So she gets home. She goes uh, straight to the backyard because apparently this is where uh, her husband's, you know, (laughs) places. Some guys, like, you know, you're going to find them, like, on the couch or in the garage. Uh, You're going to find Patrice. If it's a sunny day, you're going to find him in the backyard. And so she goes directly back there and she's like, where's Anna? And um, she was told by her husband that Anna was out with a boy that came to the door and she said her stomach dropped oh, immediately. A mother always yeah. knows. N- always. Our instincts, like a mother always knows. And this part, I actually cried a little bit when I read this because uh, she said she knew something was wrong because nobody ever called for Anna. Yeah, see, that's, and, that was my yeah. first thought that like... yeah this boy came to the door I don't like it exactly and she said that you know 
she didn't have any friends like that, specifically, you know, anyone that would actually come call for mm-hmm. her. Like the, her, the friends that she did have weren't like that. And then this boy who came to the door, he wasn't even friends with the few friends that Anna did have. So um, she remembers thinking, uh, what is she doing with that kid? And why did he come for her? Like, she just remembers, like, just being confused yeah, and very confused. And just because it's, it's like no one comes for Anna. What, yeah, but who just who is this guy? But just even like, uh, as a mother, like, my stomach hurts just knowing that right away. She's like, nobody call comes for my daughter. Like, what? What it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So at 5.30, Geraldine texts her daughter, and it is an urgent mom text. And all the text says is, home now. Ooh, like, that's yeah. one of those, like, oh, <laughs> shit. Exactly. That's one of those, you that's need like to a, go. Hey, oh, I don't yeah. even know. I mean, I'm out the door. I got to go. Yeah. That, like, you don't even explain to your yeah. friends. You just, like, leave. Just like, you are out. Got to text. <laughs> I got to go. Exactly. Um Unfortunately, that text goes unanswered. So her panic is intensifying. Like every second she is waiting, which I'm sure felt like an eternity, right? A few minutes later, she texts her again and she says, answer me now or I am calling the police. So like, and Geraldine later said that she didn't even think she would have to call the police. She was kind of using that to like scare Anna into texting her back right away. Like she, at that point, she's like, this girl needs to contact me now, Mm. right? Uh, Geraldine would later say that she felt like a paranoid mother. Like even though Anna had been gone less than an hour, she just knew. She knew something was wrong. So she couldn't wait any longer. She walked to the park herself uh, and she looked all over. Now this park, I'm going to get into it later, but it's a huge park. And so she can't cover the whole thing, but I'm pretty sure when she goes this uh, first time, she's just covering kind of like the general area that would be closest to the Mm -hmm. house, right? Um, She doesn't see Anna in sight anywhere. She comes back home. It says she she says she eats dinner. I'm sure it's just her taking a few bites and then it's like, probably her like scarfing down food, pa- just like yeah, get something in panicking. her so that she can turn yeah. around and leave again. Mm-hmm. And she was hoping like. You know, it's kind of like a watched uh, pot never boils. I think she also was hoping like, okay, I'm going to calm down and I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat dinner and I'm sure Anna is going to text me. Yeah. And then nothing. After dinner, her and her husband, they decide to take the car and just drive around the neighborhood um, to nearby areas outside. They haven't called the police yet. Um, And I think, again, they're just hoping this is some mistake, right? Right. Because also, you know, she's probably thinking, what if this is real? What if a boy really did come? What if he's really Uh interested in Anna? And then as a mom, that little corner of your brain is like... Oh, but what if she's having fun and that's why she's not coming home? I hope she's having fun. It's uh, there's also, I hope she's having fun and like her phone is yeah. dead because I, she would be in big trouble. <laughs> right? 
Um, so they are hoping too that, you know, Anna just took a long walk and lost track of time. They're just trying to figure all this out. So when they get home, Geraldine, um, decides that she's going to search, uh, she knows the boy, the first name of the boy, um, who came to call for Anna. And so they were quickly able to figure out his last name, kind of like just doing a little Facebook research. Um, but, and so they figured out his last name, but they didn't know his parents and they didn't even know how to begin to look for like where he lived. Right. So, um, it was at this point, it was nine o'clock now, uh, Patrice has a good friend who is a retired detective. His name is John Cribben. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to call him for advice. And this John tells him, call the police right away and report Anna missing. Ugh. Like call her right That's now. That's like the advice that it's like when you ask someone for advice and they tell you what you don't want to hear. Exactly. Like, exactly. It. I know you're like, I should have done that. So at this point, Anna was missing for four hours. Now I want to point out too, that the police are called a different word in Ireland. It's the, can you help me with this? Garda? Is it Garda? I would say Garda. Is that how you say it? But I, yeah, is that because I was trying to figure out how I should say it. And that was one thing I didn't, I forgot to look up the pronunciation of, but Garda, right? That's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. So Geraldine and Patrice, they go to the leak slip Garda station and they told the officers um, that it was very unusual for Anna to be gone so long and to not get in touch with them. And just like Patrice told uh, the officers, his daughter was a communicator and she would always respond. Even if she was mad at you, she would just respond to tell you she's not talking to you. So <laughs> she's one of those. That's what a communicator okay. that she was. Right. Um, so thankfully the police were like, okay, they took it seriously, but they weren't immediately concerned. Um, they just assumed, um, Okay, so they weren't immediately concerned, so they assured the Kriegels that, you know, maybe they they shouldn't be that concerned because every, you know, week they field dozens of missing children reports and the majority of them uh, turn up within a few hours. So uh, the first step... it's been a few hours. I know, it's 9 p.m., which I would be flipping out in the station right now. So um, the first step they did take was locating the boy that had come to the house to get Anna because Anna's mom already had the first name and last name, so they gave that to uh, the police. So Garda Connor Muldoon found the boy's address and he drives to the boy's house, which good, I would, uh, if... I would drive there myself if I could. And he gets there and the boy is a 13 year old boy and he was home. He told them, yeah, I, I went and, uh, got Anna and we went to the park and, uh, I left her there around like five 40. You didn't, you didn't Um, walk her home. Exactly. And that is where this boy's lies start. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, You will notice I haven't used the boy's name and you will not hear the boy's name. And that's because a minor in Ireland, um, whenever they're involved in a case, uh, their their name is kept out of the records forever. So even 
I mean, in America, they they take note and they just don't release the identity. They never even like record no. who this kid is. Uh, they record who this kid is. Yeah, but like there is no you you will never be able to find out what this boy's name oh, is. Oh, I don't like that. So, I want to know who it is. No, <laughs> I know. So from here on out, the boy uh, that went to call for Anna that day, um, the day she went missing, will be known as Boy B. So when I say B, we're talking about him. this first boy. Because I'm, yes, I'm just going to say right now, I'm pretty sure there's more people involved. But <laughs> There is more people. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to, to say that. Okay. Um, so the next day, there is still no word from Anna. Her parents, most likely running on zero sleep, I'm sure, uh, they get up and they resume their search uh, again, right? This time, they have tons of family and tons of friends that are joining them, obviously, because this family is a good family. They have lots of extended family and friends that care about them and care about Anna. So everyone's looking for Anna at this point. They talk to anyone and everybody that may have seen Anna that afternoon after the boy came to get her. Uh, the police are now, since it's the next day and we still haven't heard from Anna, now they are very concerned. So they go to the boy's house again. Good. Okay. Um, this time, Sergeant John Dune speaks with him. And this time, boy B admits that the reason he had gone to Anna's house was because another boy, who we will know as boy A, had asked him to go get Anna. I'm, I'm so, not liking this anymore, but okay. <laughs> no, no. Is, does your stomach hurt some more? So apparently Anna had a crush on boy A, Aww. but he was not really interested and he wanted to meet up with her to let her know. I don't like this. So like the punk he is, boy B went to get her. Now, uh, whatever, that is a bullshit story, but I'm just going to let it ride. Boy B said he went and got Anna so that he could take her to the park to meet with boy A. And then he says he left her there with A and then just went home to do his homework. Is this, right. I wonder when B went to Anna's house, did he tell her, hey, A is in the park. He knows you like him. He wants to meet with you in secret. Maybe that's why do you think so she looks so happy yeah. when she left? Yeah. It's not like he told her, hey, boy, boy, a wants or a wants to like let you down easy. Why don't you come to the park so he can break up with you? Because we're two fucking punks. Uh, OK. This kind of stuff. OK. So police take B to the park and they have him show them exactly where he left Anna. They want to know, OK, fine. If that's your story, tell us exactly where you left Anna with this a conveniently stands for asshole. Um, so B, uh, bitch ass boy. Oh, look, it matches B and asshole. You know what? We'll, we'll call them bitch and asshole. That's <laughs> yeah, their names exactly. now. So B is very compliant. Um, he shows them where they entered the park and where they met with A and um, where, where he left them before leaving. So police get this info and they take... Uh, boy B back home 
police are keeping Geraldine and Patrice up on all the developments in the search. And um, at this point, they they told them, you know what? It would be a good idea if you went to the media now and shared pictures of Anna to help get the word out. So soon, images of Anna were plastered all over the news, including an image of Anna wearing that same uh, black hoodie that she had taken with her to the park. Okay. Um, they did a press release just talking about how 14-year-old Anastasia uh, Kriegel was last seen, where she was last seen, and just her description so that people could be on the lookout for her. She, that she had black shoulder-length hair, um, light skin, and just like a slim build. So very soon, this case was huge in Ireland, by the way, and soon everybody would know Anna's name. And actually that picture of her in the black hoodie would be like that kind of like main Like picture. the iconic photo that everyone yeah, knows. The I yeah, the iconic photo. Um, tips came pouring in. One person said they saw her in South Dublin. Another person spotted her at the Dublin airport. Just all these kind of you know, tips where people are trying to help, but, you know, they there's no real lead there, right? Right, but at the same time, it's like, if you think you know something, you should report it, because the worst thing that happens is it's, it's not legitimate. Like, mm -hmm. if you're doing it with the intent of trying to be helpful, then yeah, yeah. go ahead and share it. Exactly. So police are still searching the park. They're talking to anyone who might have witnessed boys A or boy B there with Anna. Um, and the two boys are still only considered witnesses at this point. So they're only witnesses and they're only, it's not like they're suspects. They're just witnesses and they were the last two people to see Anna. I think anyone thinking these two are not suspects is dumb. Exactly. Exactly. So on Tuesday afternoon, they thought it would be a good idea to bring both boys to the park and have them walk them through the events of the day. Immediately, the police pick up on the fact that B was taking them on a completely different route than he had led them on the day before. Ooh. So that's a huge red flag, yeah. right? They also noted that both boys, now just think of two punk ass boys, right? Both boys are giving each other looks the whole time they're there together. Mm. Like one would say something and the other one would look at them and then the other one would say something and the other one would give them a weird look. It's good that they and have them together because watching exactly. that dynamic is really important. Mm -hmm. And so there's another red flag. So... It was then their change of story, their just odd kind of body language and the way they were looking at each other. The parents decided it was time to call, or the police, sorry, I said the parents. Uh, the police decided it was time to call the boys' parents and invite them in to the station for formal statements from both of the boys so that they could certify their account of the afternoon. So they were going to take their official statements now. Very good. Yeah. So boy B kind of goes back to his same original story. Um, he says he went and got her again as a favor for boy A and then left them to talk. And he said he had no idea anything was wrong till the police came to talk to him. So he he's like kind of sticking to that story, okay. right? 
A's statement, though, was a little more detailed. He said that B was his best friend and that after school that day, B called him to ask him if he wanted to hang out. A said that he was busy at home doing chores, so they kind of arranged to meet at the park later at St. Catherine's Park. When A said he got there, he said he gets there and he's surprised because he sees boy B there with Anna. And he claimed he knew Anna from school, but that was about it. And he was kind of confused as to why she was there with him. Um, He said that while the three were just, I guess, standing there talking at the park, Anna asks him out, which takes him by surprise. Okay. And then he said at one stage... Anna said to me, I have something to ask you. I was wondering if you wanted to go out with me. I was surprised. It came out of nowhere. I kind of knew she liked me because she kind of asked me out before. That's his official, like, that's from his official statement. And the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, uh. I feel like there's snippets of the truth in here. Yeah. But maybe he's taking a a conversation maybe from school and putting it here. Yeah. Well, I love how he says he's surprised and it came out of nowhere, although he then says in the same breath, she's asked me out before. Yeah. Okay, so what is it? Like why else you would think- she be here? Exactly. She's not and then you with just you. you just told me you kind of knew her from school. Like, well, you obviously do know her from school. She's asked you out before. So anyways, but this is also, we also have to take into account, this is, these are 13-year-old boys, and they're not the best storytellers, right? So um, being the caring 13-year-old that I'm sure he is, he states that he just wants to let Anna down gently. So he says to her, I'm sorry, but I'm not interested. You know he didn't. Even grown-ass adult men don't say that. Exactly. Um, Then he says that she just kind of said nothing and that she just looked annoyed and sad and walked off. Okay. Um, He also points out that it was, I guess, during this conversation that boy B leaves. So when Anna and boy A are finishing this very mature you know, he's letting her down easy. Boy B had left at that point. And so he decides, well, well, they're both gone. So I'm just going to walk home. And this is when so his... they just decide that they're not hanging out anymore. They're yeah. supposed to be best friends and mm-hmm. they meet in the park. Yeah. And you're not even oh. going to like talk to your best friend about this, this awkward interaction with this joke of a girl from school. Like exactly, exactly. Exactly. This doesn't add up, right? Yeah, total bullshit. Oh, but here comes the best part. He says that he's now walking home by himself because he's a, he just let Anna down. His best friend left. He's walking home by himself. And wouldn't you know it? He is attacked by two males. Oh. Can you Can believe be, that? What a shit night this kid is having. Yes. He has I to know. Break up with a girl. He gets attacked. <laughs> I know. Why? So, where are his injuries? 
Oh, well, listen, he has a very harrowing story. Okay. <laughs> he claimed these two guys grabbed him and kicked him and they had him at the, on the ground at one point. And courageously, and I and I don't think I think you can hear my eyes roll, he was able to kick one of them and they suddenly ran off. Oh. Two that's, against one. That's some, that's some kick that 13-year-old has got there to, <laughs> to scare off two adult males, right? Yeah. So, sorry, I need a break from eye-rolling so hard right now. But, uh, but the officers immediately feel the same way about this. And um, just as I was reading this, I'm sure they were rolling their eyes hard. Although they did notice that A had some minor marks on his arm, leg, and face. Did they that happen to could- be scratches? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> That's why I said I use the word could very loosely consist with this courageous tale of being attacked by two males in the park. Yeah. So with that being said, they send A to the Garda Garda headquarters in Phoenix Park, Dublin, to work with their criminal artist to compile a, they call it a photo fit, but I bet basically it's like a composite uh, mock-up of these two males that had attacked him. So I I think they took the stance as, oh, let's take this very seriously, these two males that attacked you. Okay, why don't you go down to the station and tell our criminal artist, you know, their description, please. Yeah, because like what else can we get out of him while he's trying to tell this story? Exactly. Maybe did he hear one of the men mention Anna or? Exactly. And then like, you know, I'm sure it's trying to get him deeper into his lies too, Mm. just to break him. I'm sure there's. There's uh, more to it. So um, they do a composite sketch. Uh, They release it. No one could ever even like find two gentlemen with this description on CCTV leaving the park or near the park. No one ever saw like it was a bust, right? So by May 16th, so it's been two days now, um, the search kicks into high gear and Anna is now missing for over 48 hours. So the level of concern now is serious. Yeah. Um, They put Inspector Mark O'Neill in charge of the investigation. And now they have multiple stations kind of working together to try to find Anna. So stations in North Dublin and in Kildare, which is right next to a leak slip, uh, they were now added to the team and specialists were brought in. They had a sub-aqua unit, which I'm sure is a scuba diving unit, right? Sounds like it. Um, a uh, sixty member, sixty members of the civil defense um, wow. were now a part of it, and then the Garda was now analyzing um, the phone records to try to track Anna's movements and her pings uh, this, during the time she went missing. This is some really impressive response for mm-hmm. forty-eight hours. Exactly, exactly. So. St. Catherine's Park, um, I want to kind of describe it to you now because it is important to the case, is about 280 acres of park. So it's really huge. And there is wide open fields in some areas and wooded areas in others. And then there's a small uh, body of water. So uh, water from the River uh, Liffey that runs um, on parts of the park's borders. And um, there's lots of historic buildings and structures kind of like pepper 
scattered throughout the park. Um, it's huge. And it's kind of a place you go, apparently, when you're in this part of uh, Dublin. Like, uh, St. Catherine's Park is popular. I looked up maps of the park. It's huge. And like uh, separate parts of the park are in different like city areas, it, like spread out in this big area. Okay. So um, when I say the Guardi, so everyone in the Garda, when I say the Guardi combed every square inch of this area, they combed every square inch of this area. There were different teams of searchers in charge of searching different areas of the park. So they did and like grid searches, but they broke it yes, down into sections. and Exactly. And even areas that bordered the park. So yes, like you just said, they used maps, they used grids, they meticulously and methodically and just desperately searched for Anna. Like... Everyone was trying to find her. On May 17th, Sergeant Declan Britchell um, and his four-person search team were assigned to the area um, of Lucan, which is, um, it's a part of the park, but it's, it's not directly in the park. It's kind of one of the outer borders. Okay. Um, but it is... Uh, it's a protected historical structure right there. There's like an abandoned, it's called the Glenwood House. Oh, it's kind of like the castle in Central Park. Exactly, exactly. And it's not directly on the property of the park, but it's on a property that borders the park. So it's almost like half of it is part of the park, but then it's also a historical structure. Yes. tourist area. They're like, oh, and don't forget this because it's, it's exactly lumped in with the park because it's right there yeah it's it's sat at the end of a field in the park so it was at the very end so you could consider it in the park but it was like at the it's kind of like one of those but it's still a historical structure so it still means something um the Guardia, they knew that structure well because they were used to chasing teens off who would try to like get on that property and, ever, like, break every into so the house often. And-, and yeah, and just do, you know, dumb teen stuff in there, right? So it was a large house. Uh, we'll have pictures of it up on Instagram, but it's had the, its fair share of vandalism and even fire. Um, it was like one of those structures where someone was in charge of like keeping the property up, but kind of never did. And so it was left abandoned. It was just one of those, yeah. you know, things. I, I can picture it. Yeah. So while some of the search party searched uh, some of the buildings surrounding the house, uh, Garda Sean White went inside the main house. And this house is pretty big. When you see pictures, like it almost looks like uh, I'm pretty sure it, it would be fascinating to walk into if something bad wasn't going to happen. But um, it, it's a beautiful house had it been kept up. Um, so he walks in. And it's obviously dark inside the house because the house is all boarded up. And so the only light coming in the house are coming in through kind of like the gaps of like the wood from the windows when it's boarded up. It's very like spooky Uh, horror movie. Yes, very. And White says that when he immediately enters um, the main entrance, he can smell dried blood. Oh. So uh, we know this is not going to be good. No. 
Um, he then immediately notices in one of the rooms that is right off of where you enter the house, um, he notices a figure on the floor and he immediately calls for backup. He hasn't gotten close to it. He just sees a figure on the floor. In in one interview I saw, uh, he said that at first he thought it was a mannequin. So it's almost like he sees a figure. He's not quite sure what it is, but he immediately calls for backup, right? Because he doesn't, it was like one of those, are my eyes playing tricks on me? I don't know what this is. Um, no one comes right away. So he walks further in to investigate, which is totally 100%, you know, what you're supposed to do. Um, and there alone on the floor of this abandoned building, um, unfortunately, laid the body of 14-year-old Anna Kreisel. Oh. The only clothing that remained on her body were her black socks, and her hair was kind of stuck to her face, um, as if the police officer noted as if she had been thrashing around. So she kind of, it was like the hair. It was like she was sweaty and like, yeah, yeah. Her, so it her was hair was kind all, of stuck to her face in weird places. Yes. And, uh-huh. Oh. Um, scattered around her body were her was her clothing and then pieces of her iPhone, which I guess were completely shattered. Oof. And by this time, the other officers have, have come in. Um, nearby, they noticed um, a cement block and a large stick, which was covered in blood. And there was also blood that had stained the walls and the old carpet that was on the floor. Um, This, these other details are a little disturbing, but they said three of her fingers uh, were inside. um, It's called Tescon tape, which is a type of insulation tape sold in the UK uh, to insulate like windows and stuff like that. So like Um, really heavy duty yes right uh-huh it was uh three fingers it it was wrapped around her neck and um three of anna's fingers were stuck in the tape as if she was trying to take it off but her hands had gotten stuck and yeah that's horrible yeah um so the crime scene was immediately secured and within an hour uh geraldine and patrice uh kreisel were notified that a body had been found Um, that evening they would make their way to the morgue to complete, I'm sure the heart wrenching task of positively identifying their daughter. This is so sad. Yeah. Yeah. That was their entire world was this girl. Exactly. Exactly. And so now this missing person case in a matter of, an hour had turned into a murder investigation and obviously the focus then intensified on boy A and boy B. As it should. As it should. And we will hear more about that in part two. Oh, man. Yeah. Now it's my turn not to Google anything. I know. See, you can't. Don't. I do. I am going to look up um, a photo of her because I want to see what she looked Mm -hmm. like, but... No, do that because she was beautiful and she was just like a, and she was just a, a spunky, just beautiful 13 or 14 year old. Man, like, I think it's really easy to say like, oh yeah, the boys had something to do with it. I'm. Yeah. 
But it's hard when you know that these boys are 13 years old. Like, how? Yeah. I'm going to have to just, like, wait and hear what they did, but... Yes, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. But... Okay. There you go. Yeah. I guess we'll hear next week the second part. So is this going to be two parts? I think it's just going to be two parts. I mean... Yeah, it'll just be two parts. Um, their investigation. Um, I love the Ireland police after listening to this case. They are thorough and they. I mean, uh, they got right it, on it. They they get their shit done. So uh, so yeah, I think we'll just have uh, two parts, and um, you'll hear part two the next time. Okay. So yeah, so tune in to part two when that happens. Man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. I don't want to say I'm excited to hear the second part. But <laughs> I I'm, know. I am intrigued. I want to hear. You are excited at the possibility of justice. Maybe. No, yeah? I'm. I'm curious what happened. I'm. I'm so much about like, how did we get from A to B? Like, yeah, literally in this case. Right. Yeah, I. Uh, I think the thing about true crime that like people always say, why do you like it so much? I don't want to hear about that. That's so disturbing. I think the part of this that truly fascinates me is I just really want to know how you go from like a human being normal and where is that line that finally gets crossed where you are capable of taking someone's life? Right. The whole, the psychology behind all of it. Yeah. And just like the fact that the they're 13 year olds. How, yeah. how do they get, there's a bloody stick. Actually clarify for me. I know the stick was bloody. Was the cement block bloody yes, too? Yes. The cement, yes, the okay. cement block was bloody. It has Joyce Goodner vibes with the blood all over. I know. And- I know. And unfortunately they were both used. And you know, um, I also like, you know, you grow up listening to stories about monsters, right? And you're scared of monsters and, and not to quote my favorite podcast, but I'm going to, cause I do enjoy sword and scale. So if you enjoy podcasts, there's another one, um, or about crime. He, uh, the, the sword and scale, their tagline is, or Mike Boudet's tagline is, uh, the worst monsters are real. And it is so true Yeah, because like the worst monsters are real and they are human beings that take the life of other human beings. So, all right. I, with that, I will have to wait until next week to hear about these yes. assholes. I know. But, okay. but until then, keep sharing us with your friends, um, leaving comments and, um, and reviews help really big. Yeah. And, uh, make sure to send us your case suggestions. We have we, love we have a running list of stuff we want to cover, but as you've noticed, we tend to go a little overboard on some <laughs> stuff. So. Yeah, so if you know any short cases, please let us know. Because <laughs> left on our own, we're just going to find the longest cases I know. and bring them to you. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Um, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Join the Facebook group. 
even I would like to add to, even if it's like a conspiracy theory or a cult or things like that's why we're called alternative interests, right? It doesn't necessarily, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a a murder. No, um, yeah, I actually got a a request from Jane. Um, Oh, she wants us to try and cover like. Uh, this is a good example of requests that I really like that I probably wouldn't yeah. think of on my own. She uh-huh. would. Wa- she wants us to cover like death rituals in Ooh. other cultures. Oh, that's a good one. We should. I think that's a good suggestion. Yeah, suggestions like that, just weird stuff you want us to cover. Yes. Yeah. Let us know, and we are down. And it'll give us a break from the <laughs> really, Our really deep, long. the deep long cases that we like to do. <laughs> I mean, I and like don't doing mean, all of them. Oh, I know. We don't mean to. It just happens that way when you when you start researching. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah, we will see you guys next week, and we'll yes. have Kat tell us about part two. Yay! All right, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.